You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we move in to another episode of Third Watch, our exclusive recap series on the amazing show that is Third Watch. And this is such an amazing episode. I'm so excited to bring you this one today. We're here for Superheroes Part One, Part One of Superheroes. Uh, and what an episode, amazing episode. I'm going to say potentially a top 10 episode at the end of all these. Currently sitting in my top 10 at least overall after 59 episodes. Well, this is a 58th episode. But anyway, I'm rabbiting. This was uh, first aired on the 25th of February 2002. So actually a three-week break uh, between this episode and the last one that aired uh, initially Cold Front back in 2002. So that's interesting to note. Uh, the teleplay here was by the co-creator, Miss Ed Allen Bonero, story by George Zamacona and also Ed Allen Bonero, and was directed by the esteemed Nelson McCormick. My name is Ben, and I didn't think you liked me. My name is Darvell, and I am Chevchenko. <laughs> Hello, Chepchenko. I loved you in Jaws. Um, this is uh, 14th episode of this season. I think I mentioned that. But the very first of our two-parters, uh, official two-parters. We kind of went over this last week. Uh, you know, Requiem for a Bannerweight, Unfinished Business, kind of two-parters. You'd argue September 10th and After Time, sort of a two-parter as well. Um, but this is an official two-parter because we've got part one and part two in the title. And as you probably would have seen, mm-hmm. at least in, when we've released this, if you've downloaded this episode, Superheroes Part 2, also available today. So we're, we're going to release two-parters, official two-parters, on the same day, similar to what we do with our Lost coverage. So um, this episode is amazing. I mean, this is this is such a shift of an episode in terms of what we're going to get in the future. But I think that this is done in a way that, like, why I maybe wasn't exactly that high when it came to childhood memories and the shift that that did for season three. I think I'm on the opposite spectrum here for superheroes that this is how I wish this show had have remained kind of post four, five and six, particularly five and six. So I think this is done just brilliantly. You get a real balance in terms of kind of a, a big bad being introduced. You get some great personal connections with the storylines, you know, particularly when it comes to like Sully and then obviously that connects with Davis. Then obviously even Yokus getting involved and kind of Bosco. We've got this random cop, Ross, who has some great stuff. Gusler, just he really pays off. Such good stuff coming along with everything here with this. I mean, it is very cop heavy. But, I mean, I guess kind of you're going to have to get used to this moving forward, folks, because, uh, you know, this is going to become a cop-centric show post-season four. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is just... I can't talk up this episode enough. To, I, this is one of those ones that every time I watch it, it gets better. And I think I like I always talk up season two. I always talk up after hours. I always talk up like self-importance of me, Carlos, all these episodes that, you know, I just think are amazing. But I think I always undersell the fact that this is such an amazing episode. And the following one, too. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah, absolutely. It's a great two-parter. I would argue that this first part is much better than the second part, but we'll get to that next... Well, not next week, today. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just think as a standalone, just this episode is just, just amazing. But, yeah, like, you're right. Like, I think maybe on the grand scheme of our two-parters, this is probably the best of the official two-parters we will get. So I'll say that. Yeah. Do you do you remember like I know kind of you obviously had a different way of watching this show in terms of going you know starting at a certain point and going back. Do you remember like the first time you saw this episode at all by chance? Bits and pieces of it, but not the episode as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's it's once you remember, I think, because like this is kind of what I'll say. Like in terms of part one to part two, I think part one is much more memorable and just. 
we'll get to obviously the end of it at the end, but like, you know, we've the last two weeks, we've already said that the final scenes of both the last two episodes are going to make our top five more than likely at the end of this season. This definitely will make the top five at the end of this season. This is the one scene that kind of, I think, going in here to season three that I was like on the top of my head, what scenes will make the final five at the end of the season? Like this was the one to me straight away. I was like, yep, the end of superheroes part one. But, um, I think kind of we, we went over last week too in terms of Roy Scheider and just, you know, the big bad and just, just, it just excites me to think that Roy Scheider was in Third Watch. <laughs> like, I just always have this thing. It's, it's kind of like my Kim Raver sort of love it comes down to the fact that Kim Raver's clearly doing it for me, Darvell. She went from my favorite TV show to my second favorite TV show when she went to 24. So I love it when kind of like these actors that I already like who are like in one movie role or a TV show will then go on to be in another show that I like. So like Roy Scheider yeah. in one of my favorite movies of all time, Jaws, to my favorite TV show of all time, uh, third watch um so are you a jaws fan actually believe it or not i've never seen oh darvel get off this podcast and go and watch it right now come on <laughs> this is like the i know movie of i know what movies. it is i know what it i know what it is i've just never watched it but yeah i need to arguably the very I know first it gave summer ever, blockbuster I know it gave everyone the fear of sharks i'm still scared of sharks and i live in australia we have them in our bathtub um, like, look, Jaws, I mean, often considered, obviously, the pretty much the first ever summer blockbuster. This is what kind of coined the term blockbuster. I mean, that's a whole other... We'll do Jaws one day, but, like, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of movies pre-1980. Not, you know, I'm not one to go back and watch old movies, but, you know, Jaws is an exception. Any James Bond film is an exception. Star Wars is an exception. But, um, yeah, Jaws, just an incredible, incredible piece of cinema. Uh, and just Roy Scheider, just amazing. I mean, he, he came back for the second one. I mean, all the sequels kind of got progressively worse. Never watched Jaws of Revenge. Like, honest to God, I'm telling you now, never watch Jaws of Revenge. Um, <laughs> to, to kind of, to spoil it for you, it's about a shark that wants revenge and somehow swims to the other side oh, of the country course. to chase after the Brody family, to which it knows where they are, and it can roar as it jumps out of the water. So that's Jaws of Revenge. Okay, that's out. That, that is outlandish. That is way too over yeah. the top. Yeah, just a bit. Um, but, yeah, just Roy Scheider being in Third Watch to me is just incredible. The guy can pull off a Russian accent just fantastically. Can we just point out? Yes. This is a guy from New Jersey. Can, yes. <laughs> I am... You know, I actually wondered if he was at... I was actually going to ask you at the end of the last episode if he's actually Russian, or if he was actually Russian. Might have heritage. But I guess... I mean, Scheider is... I don't know. Where's where's Scheider from? Are you good with your last names? Um, no. I, I could not tell you what where that last name would originate. Oh, here we go. I've answered my own question. Uh, Athletic Scheider was born in November 1932 in Orange, New Jersey, to Anna and Roy Bernard Scheider, a mechanic. He was of German and Irish descent. So there you go. German. Which, uh, okay. you know. But, like, yeah, this guy can pull off a fucking amazing Russian accent. Uh, but anyway, we've got so much to talk about in this episode. It's going to be great. It's such a good episode. If you've already watched this, clearly you're listening to this episode right now. I'm assuming you've watched it. Just, just expect us to be just glowing about this episode. I mean... The thing that I found that, like, when it comes to these episodes that I'm so positive on, that these actually go shorter than we ever anticipated. I think After Hours went so short. I was kind of, you know, bemused at how short After Hours went, considering how much I love that episode. But, um, 
So we, we're going to start off here with Bosco in therapy, because how long's it been, Darvel? It's been, you know, we're nearly 59 episodes into this show, 58th episode of Third Watch, and mm-hmm. finally Bosco's in therapy. It's a bit, a bit overdue, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was saying in, in, what was it, either patterns or nature or nurture, even back then he was saying, I need therapy. Yeah, and that was... um. But didn't he promise Yokus to go to therapy? You'll go to therapy. We're talking about like actual sit on the couch therapy. Like, like, did yeah, he? Yeah, oh yeah, that, that was Bosco. That's armed robbery. Yeah, yeah, that's what that was. Yeah. So I mean, you know, this is something you should be used to then. Um, <laughs> but I kind of just like this scene, you know, just staring at this guy who just looks like a shrink. Like this guy looks like your stereotypical psychiatrist. Um, not saying a How so? He just, he's got like those glasses and he just kind of, you know, he just looks like a psychiatrist. Uh, which I'm trying to see, does he have a name? Uh, doctor, no, it's not Dr. Peterson because that's clearly, Dr. Finney? Is that, is that Brendan's dad? Um, it is, no, it's Dr. Finney. Brendan's dad is the police captain. I know, it was a bad joke. Um, <laughs> he's uncle. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh. Adam Grupo, oh, he's fallen off there, Dad. Hold on a second. Oh, Hold on. Hang on. What's he done? You all right? Okay, can you hear me? Crisis averted. You, you good? Yeah, I I accidentally I accidentally disconnect I accidentally disconnected my microphone. Oh. I thought maybe there was a thought maybe it would have disconnected the call. So clever, I was like, clever, Darvel, clever. <laughs> okay, well we we are reconnected. Yes, we are. Um, but anyway, so he's in, he's in therapy with this, uh, stereotypical looking therapist. No one's saying anything. And I kind of like Bosco, like, how long are we meant to play this game? There's nothing wrong with me. My partner overreacts. Uh, I kind of like it there when, like, the, this psychiatrist kind of nods and is like, hmm, and writes down on his piece of paper when he says that. We'll be back here 2 p.m. tomorrow. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, a nice little moment there for Bosco on therapy. And obviously he's going to set up the fact that he's not going to be happy with Yokus this episode. Um, we have Sully back at the apartment. He's moved a car for one of his neighbors and little Tatiana, little bit, uh, sassy Tatiana. I'm so proud of you. Yes. I'm so happy that you could help out. Uh, just like she's, and I, I just love the way she gets there, and she's kind of like, oh, it's always something, Sally, Sally, Sally. You're not like this Superman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that that wasn't what you were saying when you guys first met. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like the fact that, like, uh, above the bed, they've still got like Christmas decorations. I don't know if they've, you know, not taken those down in what, like, February. But, uh, you know, Sally's obviously, you know, like she's claiming that he's taken advantage of because he's a cop and, you know, she doesn't like the fact that he always drops everything to help other people. You know, spend time with me, you'll need the rest. But then, you know, Sally makes a point about how <laughs> Mrs. O'Keefe hasn't raised his rent in, like, ten years. So, um, you know, I guess there's that. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, we're back at the precinct and uh, we've got Swirsky saying that things are going to be busier than usual. I don't know why. But uh, we've got some new team-ups. So, Yokus will be with Gusler, and Bosco will be with the esteemed Ross. Benny Ross, uh, who we've not met up until this point. We're going to meet him today. So, um, I kind of, I like the fact that, uh, what does Bosco say when he's like, oh, yep, mount up. And then kind of, I love the fact when they cut to Gusler. Should I mount up? Do I need to mount up too? (laughs) I fucking love Gusler. Oh, God, I I love this man. I mean, he says, 
he says it, you can tell the guy doesn't even know what it means. <laughs> but he just says it because he thinks it'll make him fit in. And I just want to give, like, I don't think I've given enough props to uh, Charlie McWade, who plays him, that he just, he does so well at, like, this naive little shy cop. Like, and I said this last week, that's me. If I'm a cop, that's me. Like, I'm, like, you know, like, ooh, little nervous Ben kind of on the job. But I'm not generally a nervous person. I, I tend to think I can kind of hide my nerves for the most part. But, um... Yeah, that's me. And I just, I just love him. I just, so good. Charlie McWade, you are a star. And, uh, hopefully by the time we've released this, we've had you on the show. If not, come on the show. Um, but, so when we kind of get this, uh, great scene and like, the music in this episode is incredible. Like, I think what kind of really sells the emotion of these next two episodes is just this score. It's kind of like this, Eastern European sort of mixture with a you know a traditional third watch score and kind of always goes on to the the part where I say like if I would pay good money to track down the theme and the score for third watch, um, but this is just amazing. So we kind of see all these gangsters in a corridor, kind of just like walking through. We've got this great music. We hear this knock on the door. I need a package. Uh, and then uh, one of the gangsters hands his gun to who he sees, Roy Scheider, a.k.a. Fyodor Shevchenko. Um, I love the way they just hand him, hand him the gun, he shoots, and then he gives the gun back, sits back, has a smoke, and they go in and do their business. Like, it's just it's just awesome. Like, it's just... The thing which is so good about Shevchenko when he's, like, goons is they're so fucking, like, tough and so... Like, you would be scared of these people. Like, it's, this is, I think, what it, what it will be different. They are, go ahead, go ahead. They are, they are ruthless. I, I love how ruthless they are. Yeah. And like, you would get, I, like, this is where it changes, like, in later seasons, where we kind of have these big bad and things like that, is the fact that, um, like, they're not as scary and they're not as, I guess, like, you know, uh, like you, you, you fear for these people. Whereas, like later on, we're just going to kind of get your your generic sort of gangsters with you know semi automatics, if you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's kind of where maybe I I would say a little bit different. But um, yeah, just just so good and just kind of the scene there. Obviously, they're in the apartment. They're like bashing these people up and shooting them and all that sort of stuff. When we, you know, it comes down to it, and just like the way Shevchenko's there with his smoke, and the old guy sort of pops his head out of the the door, and he just puts his hand to his mouth like a shh, and smiles at him. Like, it's so, like, holy fuck, it's scary. Like, oh, God, it's just so... Roy Scheider is just... This guy has been on our screens here for literally three minutes. He's owned every single second of it. It's just... It's incredible. Yes. So, so yeah. damn good. And it just it sets it up. So this is what's so good about this episode and setting uh, up. Because, like, we should mention Roy Scheid is kind of the big bad. And he will be the big bad for portions of this season and portions of next season. So, like, don't think he's kind of just a random cameo for an episode or two. This guy is going to be in oh, no. the fourth season. Yep, till episode six. And, or is it episode five? Oh, I'm not looking season forward. Four. I am not looking forward to that episode because I will be bawling my eyes uh. out. Um. Yeah, episode six, Judgment Day. That's technically a two-parter, which we didn't really mention last week, didn't we? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. It's, I forgot um, about that two-parter. That's an interesting one because I think kind of like that's just built as a, a an extended episode rather than a two-parter. But I think we'll still cover that in two yeah, parts because I, I guess it was only a two-parter when it was syndicated on A and E. Yeah, it, you're right because just looking here at the official episode list, they they classified as one episode, kind of. 
but it's also separated in the fact that you see it as a five and a six, as in episodes five and six. See, again, that's that's an interesting thing. Like, I always forget that that's so early in the season. I always I always think that that's like a mid-season episode, but that's like right at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. And that's only... Isn't, isn't uh, Cruiser's first episode three or four next season? I think it's two. Is it two? Oh. It's either it's either two or three. She's not in the first but episode. But it definitely... No, but it definitely isn't four. I, I, we we are working out our I think our scheduling around because we know Brandy's kind of you know not going to be as available as much moving forward. But uh, I did promise her that when we get to Cruise's first episode that she's going to be in it because like her and a Cruise love. I think she loves Cruise more than I love Cruise. So um, she's in the first episode is the chosen few. You're right, which is the second episode of next season. So um, there we go. Wow, can you just imagine that we're what technically like. Eight episodes away from Sergeant Cruz being on our screen. Like, we've gone through these quickly. I remember season one talking to Brandy about, oh, we're so long away from Cruz. Um, we're like eight episodes away from Cruz. When does Sasha come into it? She's season five, isn't she? Yeah, end of season four, beginning of season five. Closing in. That's the final episode. No, second last episode of season four. So... Yeah, the um, price of nobility. Oh my gosh, I'm not looking forward to that one. God, the price of nobility. The price of nobility is the season finale of right. season four. That's right. Oh god, last call next season. Holy crap, what an episode! So mm-hmm. I'm just scrolling through all the uh, season four episodes. Um, we're really getting sidetracked here because we're tra- talking about the amazing Roy Scheider <laughs> and we're all of a sudden talking about season four of Third Watch. Um, but yeah, what a setup. We've obviously had this kind of you know the, the, we get a bit of a gang. That's just that 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 bit where he goes shh. Just oh my god. Um, I like the fact that we've kind of got, like, Bosco here with, uh, with Ross. I like Ross. Ross is kind of just a random cop that's just there, but, you know, Ross is... You like Ross? He's a lot like Bosco, actually. Yeah. And I think that, I think that kind of troubles Bosco, because there's a, there's a scene later, and we'll get to it, where, where Ross says something about, you know, about gang shootings. Oh, we'll just, oh, let's just let them shoot it out with each other. We'll, we'll give it a week. We'll clean up the mess. Bosco is really disturbed by that, mm. and yet you're thinking, Bosco, you'd be saying the same damn thing <laughs> if it was you and Faith in that car. And uh, you know, let's also be honest: the fact that uh, he got one subtle little difference, and that's that he likes to sing uh, <laughs> in the car. I like this little thing. <laughs> I feel like this would be you, Darvel. I feel like you'd be singing along in a cop car like this. Yeah, I would be. <laughs> but I, I just kind of like the way they kind of set each other up. So they're kind of just like, you know, oh, so you and Yoke's having problems? No, I just, you know, think that, uh, you know, we could learn some stuff of each other. You know, I respect that. And I just love the way he's like, I didn't think you liked me. What made you think that? You said to me you didn't like me. And it's like, oh, you're going to get a sense of humor. <laughs> I was like, what do you like to do first? Oh, coffee. And then he starts singing. It's like, what are you doing? Singing. It's what I do. Uh, which is, but I, the thing I love about this sequence is I love the clever editing that you get here. Like, so, like, we kind of see Bosco's getting annoyed here at old Ross, but then, like, we see him drive past Yoka. So, like, he's 5'5 five, five Edward, 5'5 five, five Eddie, and then he drives past, you know, 5'5 five, five David, and we kind of see this glance that Bosco and Yoka's give each other, and then it's kind of like, it's like, boom, swift transition into Yoka's and Gusler. Um, it's fantastic. It's just so clever editing. I love the way they do it. And then I kind of love how Gusler's struggling with his uh, seatbelt. It's like, oh, I can't get it. It's twisted. And Yoga's, I like it that way. You know, it makes it tighter. It's easier, you know, when I get out of the car. 
And it's like, um, so she fixes the belt. Thanks, ma'am. Uh, what did I tell you to call? You're like, how old are you? 22. I told you not to call me, ma'am. Oh, it's how I was raised. To respect my... And that's just like, Yoko stares at him like... Elders. Don't finish that sentence. <laughs> but, um... They get the call over the radio. There's a domestic. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, Yoko says, any day that starts off with a domestic is not a good one. Which is... That's, like, season one, isn't it? What's the one where, uh, you're good with the episode titles... Uh, where Sully and Davis, uh, you know, Davis is having a good day and Davis, or Mondays, and he steps in Dead Guy. What episode's that? Um, episode four of season one. Thank you. Oh, gosh, what's good? Hell is what you make of it. Yes, yes. No, I, I remember the episode. I can never name the name of them. Uh, so it kind of reminds me a little bit, because they, they often say things like that, you know, like, we've got things not a good day. Uh, so let's see, we've got uh, Davis and Sully. This is where Sully's kind of asking Davis, like, oh, do people in your building ask you to do stuff, you know, like help out, things like that. And it's like, oh, I don't think they, you know, know I'm a cop. You know, I've only just moved in. It's like, oh, everyone in your building knows you're a cop. You shop like three times a day in your uniform and your cop car. And then I just love Davis. You also look like a cop. You got that walk. It's kind of a waddle. <laughs> it's like, I don't walk that way. Uh, which, again, reminds me of the, the Bosco uh, episode where it's like, something wrong with your walk when Bobby's going off at him? Like, you know? It's like, it also, hell is what you make of it. Oh, wow. So lots of callbacks to hell is what you make of it. Um, oh, mm-hmm. Bobby, can we just take a moment in time? Or, oh, rip Bobby. We, we miss Bobby, don't we? Or do we just forgotten about Bobby like Third Watch has? <laughs> oh, I mean... I mean, I still, I still miss him. I don't know about you. I mean, of course, I miss him. Love Bobby. He he will be mentioned in a couple of episodes time. So, um, yep. actually, is that only two episodes? Isn't it? We're, we're close. Yeah, to that. thicker than water. I think thicker than water. Yeah, you're right. So, um, yeah, Bobby's going to get remembered soon, folks. So, um, that's something to to get excited about. Um, but yeah, so uh, obviously, we then get a call over the radio that Proctor. Our beloved nurse has requested Sully at the hospital. Like, uh, what's going on here? Proctor requested us. Uh, and then he's changing his walk. I love that. Um, so we kind of, we're at the uh, apartment building here, and Yoke is kind of giving some great instructions here to, to Gus. I like domestics and go south very quick. Just hold your gun. Don't make sure, you know, you never turn your back to them. Um, and then I kind of just like this line from Yoke's in the walking down the corridor. She's like, you know, hear that? It's quiet. Like, apartments, and I'm living one half this size, and it's never this quiet. What does that mean? Maybe I should move here. <laughs> <laughs> she won't be saying that uh, soon. You'll be singing. Yeah, I was going to say, you'll be singing a different tune soon. Babe. So, it shows up to the door, and it's like, smell that? That's gunpowder. And then they walk into the apartment, and then just kind of this gruesome scene, dead bodies everywhere. Uh, there's blood and just, you know, the music again just played over the top. It's fantastic. And then little old Gusler, like, touching one of the bodies, slips over in the blood. Poor Gusler. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, then kind of Bosco and Ross kind of just quick little scene with them. They've got a, a report of a drive-by shooting. So they'll kind of... Uh... Oh, no, sorry. That's over the radio, isn't it? Sorry. We're at Davis and Sully at the hospital and they mention about that. Uh, then I love Proctor here with Sully. Solomon, did you get married? <laughs> just the way like she says it. Like your wife's here, her son's in hospital. Uh, so then we see poor old Sergey. He's been bashed to a pulp. Uh, and then old poor old Tatiana. What did they do to my Sergey? Uh, and can we just again uh, point over that little statistic that um, in the grand scheme of things, Savannah Husk is what only like eighteen months older or younger than her actual son here. Uh, I can't remember. It's one or the other. 
But, like, they do a good job with making uh, Sergey here look younger, played by Aaron Stanford. So, um, yeah, the fact that, you know, I've got to find this stat. Like, isn't he, like, 18 months older than her or something like that? Um, something like it, yeah. Where is it? It's on one of the trivia bits here. Da, 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 da. Savannah Husky, who played Sully's wife, is actually 13 months younger than Aaron Stanford, the actor who played Sergey. So, Savannah Husk is younger than her son, but they look like mother and son. So, they do great work there with kind of, you know, casting in that, basically. Um... That and probably makeup artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Uh, Bosco and Ross kind of show up to the um, the the gang shooting, the the drive not gang shooting, drive by shooting. Uh, I guess it's a gang shooting. It's a drive by shooting between gangs. Uh, so there's one guy laying on the ground. He's alive, and uh, obviously another guy's sort of dead. Just gotta love all these people just sort of behind the police line, staring at like this guy with his brain like everywhere on the street. I guess kind of. That's what it would be like. I guess the difference is if this was today, there'd people with their phones out taking photos of it. Um, so yeah, yeah. Kim and Taylor show up. Uh, obviously, one guy's dead. They're like, "Oh, we're going to scoop and run." Uh, Ross will drive uh, the um, the ambulance. I like it when one of the cops or the, like Jimmy, like last episode, gets to drive the ambulance. Um, again, great music being played here. It's so good. Um, then we get Tatiana talking about what happened to Sergey. They beat him. Um, and then we find out that a bat has bashed him up, uh, that he was awake at the beginning, and then obviously Sully starting to question Tatiana, like, do you know who did this? Um, kind of setting that up. Then we have, uh, back at the apartment with Yokus and Gusler. Yokus is obviously questioning everybody in the apartment building, but nobody apparently heard a thing. Um, and we meet for the first time, uh, random cop that I like. We meet Beth Markham. Beth. Played by the esteemed Anne Dowd, who, can I just point out, she's another one of these people who have gone on to some great things in the future. She's recently won an Emmy, uh, for The Handmaiden's Tale, I believe. Um, but just, she's been in a heap of things. I actually saw a very interesting movie with her. Um, it's called, let me just, uh, Compliance. Now, I don't know if you've heard of this movie called Compliance, Starville, but it's, it's a weirdly weird movie that's based on true events. It's, it's very disturbing. So basically it's a, it's a movie about, um, a, uh, like a fast food joint where essentially, uh, a guy calls up and says, like, oh, one of your employees stole a customer's wallet. Uh, I'm a police officer. You need to, like, make, uh, you know, keep her out the back until we can send the police. And basically, this guy is just, like, he's a, he's a creep. He's, like, some serial offender who essentially then gets, like, these people in this fast food to interrogate her, to strip her naked, to just, like, sexually assault her. It's, it's very disturbing. But the most disturbing thing about this entire movie is this is based off a real story. This actually happened. It was like a well-documented case that, like, a guy rang up a McDonald's somewhere. I think it might have been, like, Massachusetts or something like that and basically made this girl do all these things and kind of, like, basically had her raped by an employee. Very disgusting, like, in terms of what happened. But this movie compliance, which Anne Dowd's in, she plays kind of like the uh, the franchise owner. It's, it's very tense and very like it's one of these ones that you just can't stop watching because it's just so tense and the way it plays out and and doubt is fantastic. I might have to watch it because no I've never seen it before it's very disturbing kind of just to think that this actually happened um, but yeah, Anne Dowd is fantastic in it. She's an amazing actress. So, uh, I always forget that she's in Third Watch as well, but here she is. Uh, she's Beth and she'll be yep. in a few episodes too. So, and she was a, and she was a, she was a bit of a, she was a bit of a 
She was a bit of a bitch to Gussler, let's be honest. She just kind of like tough you stepped in, You stepped in my blood? Yeah. <laughs> but one thing I also want to point out here too, and I think this might be the first appearance of it, is his NYPD jacket, kind of like this raid jacket that we'll see a lot next season when it comes to the crew's sort of anti-crime storyline. Now, this is my obsession with this show, Darvell, is that when this show aired, and I loved it, and I just, I remember when we first started sort of got the internet home and kind of, you know, we discovered internet shopping and things like that. Um, I really wanted, like, NYPD clothes. So I wanted, like, an NYPD T-shirt. There was this really awesome NYPD sweater that I wanted. And I remember my mum, like, I can't remember what I did, but my mum was like, oh, cool, look, I'll buy you a present. What do you want? So she, like, gave me a budget of, like, $100 or something like that. And I found a website that had, like, all the NYPD merch on it. And they had this jacket, this NYPD raid jacket, which was, say, like, you know, a little bit more expensive than what my mum was going to spell on me. I swooned my mum. She, long story short, she bought it for me. I still have my NYPD raid jacket, which I, like, always forget I have because I like wearing it. I remember when I first got this, I could just not take it off. I wore it everywhere. And I got comments everywhere. Love your jacket. That's awesome. Where'd you get that jacket? That's so cool. Where'd you get that jacket? Um, and it was just like, it's just an amazing, I've got to wear it more often, but like, I basically got this NYPD raid jacket purely on watching third watch. Uh, and then when I've been to New York, each time I go to New York, I have to buy like NYPD t-shirts and freaking sweaters. And you know, I've got an NYPD beanie. I know we talked about beanies last week. Um, I love the NYPD. What am I going to say? Um, so yeah, I know that opinion is not necessarily shared yeah. by some of our listeners, but um, I live in Australia. I don't live in New York. Um, but yeah, so I just love the NYPD jacket. But yeah, so like as you said, like you step in my blood, um, and then kind of you know poor old Gusler saying apologising, and then we we kind of learn that basically this is a gang shooting. One of the victims has got some like tattoos on it. They're Russian, and uh, basically this is a message. There's a new sheriff in town. It's got some significance. Um, so, yeah, and then I love little Gusser at the end there when kind of, he's like, oh, what do we do now? It's like, oh, well, this is our job. We start writing. Uh, so, (laughs) policing isn't all about just, you know, capturing people. You can do a lot of paperwork. So, um, I think they sell that quite well. But, yeah, this is obviously, we know what's happened, don't we? We've seen, you know, Chevchenko shoot Mm -hmm. shit out of these things. But, uh, you know, it's obviously going to set it up, the fact that, um... You know, nobody's going to talk about this. Kim and Taylor on the ambulance. They're trying to save this young guy. Uh, basically, they get into the hospital. Um, he crashed on the way over, but we're going to try and save him. Uh, Davis uh, has some coffee, gives it to Sully, and then Sully takes Tatiana out into the uh, the hallway, uh, getting ready to just sort of like interrogate her. Meanwhile, back at the apartment, Gusler, little old Gusler's left his watch in an old man's. He's going to use a bathroom. Uh, and he's like, oh, no, I've left my watch in there. And I love that they knock on this guy's door, go inside. And I just kind of like how it's all serious. Like, you know, Yoke's like, oh, isn't it so terrible what's happened here? But I just love Gusler. It was like, got it. It was on the sink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love him. But, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if the... I'm wondering if the guy maybe thought that because Jokas immediately started in on him, so to speak, when Gustler goes to get his watch, I mean, you can imagine the guy thinking, okay, is this a setup? Yeah. But, I mean, because obviously Jokas kind of has this speech here, isn't it? Like, oh, it's terrible. You know what happened here? And, um, you know, what are you, you going to do for your grandkids? And just, yeah. Um, you know, are you afraid? And kind of, you know, basically talking about the fact that, um, you know, this old guy 
I mean, you would be scared. I mean, as it kind of went back to the scene mm-hmm. where, like, he gives his little, you know, shh, you know, thing to his lips. Like, that's terrifying. Like, it's just one of these things where you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, this is kind of one of these things I think we talked about last week, isn't it? About you never know how you're going to react to a situation. But, like, I've kind of always thought about, like, what happens if I see a crime that these people are then going to, like, want to come after me because I've accidentally stumbled across something, like, really bad? Like, I'm going to be terrible in those situations. I'm going to be shitting myself. So I'm not talking. Um, so... Um, yeah, obviously, this is where this old guy mentions, have you heard of Zaconi, who I guess is kind of like the, the Russian version of this drug lord or something like that. Because um, we know his name. Probably a rival probably a rival of Chevchenko's. Yeah, something along those lines. Uh, meanwhile, Tatiana, obviously, with Sally, saying this is a problem in our community. Um, you know, it's not like neighborhood or block driveway. Uh, and then obviously Sally's like, you know, talking about like, oh, what, you don't think I can handle this? And she's like, no, I don't. Um, so basically, you know, Sally's warning, uh, sorry, Tatiana's warning Sally off, like, you can't handle this. This is a problem that even you can't fix. Like, you know, and obviously we're going to get some great stuff there with Sally moving forward with that. Um, so meanwhile, back at the crime scene where Bosco, they're still just, they haven't covered this body up. Can we just point out, like, is there some respect for this victim? Like, can they not put a sheet over him or something like that? <laughs> yeah, you know Bosco. But uh, up rocks uh, the esteemed Method Man. Hello, Method Man, uh, a.k.a. C-Note. Now, are you a fan of Method Man and his music? I couldn't even tell you one Method Man song, if I'm being honest. I know who he is, but I'm not very familiar with his music. I'm exactly the same. Uh, I... I know who, like, I've heard of his name, but I, I don't know who he is. Apparently, uh, well, here we go. He's going to sell it for us. He was a member of the Wu-Tang Clan. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Uh, yep, him and, and and there's another guy, Red Man. Okay. I think they're, they're buds. They're buddies, actually. See, like, yeah, Wu-Tang to me is like, we have this, like, uh, type of people in Australia called uh, Bogans, which I guess are kind of like our rednecks. And, like, there's all, I guess, different varieties of a good old bogan here in Australia. But there was a big thing kind of when I was in high school of these bogans who kind of really modelled their appearance on kind of, like, gangsters. So they would kind of wear, like, your baggy pants and be all into, like, Eminem and tough music and, you know, what they thought was cool. But there was, like, a huge big thing kind of in the 2000s where I remember they would all wear Wu-Tang clothes. So they'd wear, like, these shiny red, you know, shirts that said, like, Wu-Tang on it. And I'd never actually heard any Wu-Tang music, so I guess it's kind of not necessarily the music that I listen to completely. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of where I know Wu-Tang from. Sorry if you're a massive Wu-Tang fan, Darvel, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, there we go. I don't know much about him. Method Man was in Wu-Tang, I'm sure. Didn't we... What was... We got a Wu-Tang reference last season, or this season, wasn't it? Like, with Christopher. No, last season. Yeah, I think with I Bosco, think it was last season. like oh, the Wu Tang yeah, Clan. Bosco, Bosco's gonna go. Yeah, and out. Bosco was working security yeah. for the Wu Tang Clan or something. Yeah, like that. Uh, according to a 2012 list by magazine The Source, Method Man was included on their top 50 lyricists of all time. So there you go. <laughs> right way to go, Method Man. It's a Method Man, an esteemed lyricist. Um, and, uh, he's also been in, like, Third Watch definitely wasn't his first appearance, but, uh, he's actually, look, I will be honest, he's actually not the worst actor. Uh, I've seen, uh, singers and that who are, who are definitely worst actors. But anyway, his C-note, he shows up, his brother, he's dead, and um, what does he say, like, oh, that's the third my brother was capped, like, he's a baby of the family, like, 
you know, what am I going to tell my mum? And then obviously kind of just this back and forth he has with Bosco, you know, this war never ends, Boscarelli, you know, uh, we're going to have to work something out. And yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a nice little scene. I kind of like Bosco works very well off kind of like these rappers. We'll see this kind of like at the end of this season when we've got the blackout uh, happening and kind of things like that. Like, I don't know, like, do you, do you kind of get that vibe that Bosco, like he, he has to deal with these people all the time, but he kind of works off well. We're trying to negotiate with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> although he doesn't although he, he although he's just plain old awkward with dmx oh yeah in season five dmx oh my god uh, <laughs> that mm-hmm. episode Whew, all right uh, <laughs> but uh i will say i've downloaded the song from that episode though but I do, I do like the song, but that episode, hmm. Uh, <laughs> just, just everybody take a time to remember we're talking about a very good episode of Third Watch right now. This is Superheroes Part 1, top 10 episode of this show. All right, just remember that, how good this show is right now. Until we get to where the who, where the who, where the who, vampires and fucking snow blind. Uh, <laughs> Kim goes to a rave. Uh, <laughs> can we just point out, can we just establish this as a storyline? Kim goes to a rave. <laughs> oh, man. God damn it. Where does this show end up? The shit we'll get into come season five and six, especially. Oh, my God. Um, We obviously kind of get a bit of a scene here with uh, Beth talking to, to Jokas about, you know, oh, how did you get him to talk? Oh, I'm a regular people person. And we get a nice little bit here with Jokas back at the cop shop. Uh, you know, oh, I've got to do a report. Don't let me get in the way. Kind of Bosco gets off the desk. Apparently, they've only got one desk in the five-five that they can work and do their reports on. Um, and then kind of we just get this nice little scene here of kind of like Bosco and Jokas finally confronting each other. I love the spinning camera that we get when these two are like talking in the room, the way the camera just spins around both of them. It's just an amazing shot. And then uh, obviously, you know, kind of uh, Bosco's like, well, you know, you, you dobbed me in, you know, you could have come to me. And then, you know, uh, Yoko's like, oh, I'm concerned about what's been going on. And Bosco's like, well, what's been going on? Are you serious? 9-11, you know, that screwed up rape, your father, your brother. Uh, and then just kind of just that... Lo- Hobart. Hobart, yeah, you're right. And then just that great line that Bosco says. It's like, well, I wasn't alone until you did this. Like, ooh, wow, ouch. Um, so that kind of uh, closes that little chapter. And then Ross comes in. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. And he leaves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, God damn it. That's like, we, we sort of mentioned, I think, kind of these two when they kind of had these moments of trust issues and that sort of stuff. But this is really where we're getting to see some conflict, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it, yep. it's just kind yep. of, it's, it's, wow. It's great acting and just great editing and everything along those lines. So we're back at the hospital and this is where Sully, I guess, grabs us, okay? Uh, and just kind of, you know, wants to interrogate him a little bit. But um, I do like Sergey here. Like, this will help you get led with my mother. <laughs> I just like it's it's kind of interesting. This is the real first time we've kind of got Sergey, I guess, standing up to Sally and basically being like, you know, you're all the same. The difference is you got her to marry you. Uh, and I was like, oh, sorry, it's true love. <laughs> Um, and then just and just the line, the, the delivery of that, and just Sully when he's like, you know, I never told you to go away. It's like, well, you never told me to stay either. 
It's like, wow. And then, you know, like, but you say, you know, with uh, family, oh, what, cousin, good for the schools, right? I stay with friends. Like, poor old uh, Sergey here getting shoved to the side. Like, you got to feel for the guy. Um, yeah. And then this is where we hear the name. Oh, you're going to get Mr. Theodore Shevchenko, Mr. New York policeman. It's like, ooh, who is this guy? Drama! <laughs> and Sully is completely oblivious. I mean, it does not register with him that he's about to get in over his head. Which Spoiler I, alert. Which I just, I, I just kind of like how this plays out. Like, I just kind of like what this is setting us up to, because we've kind of got these three intertwining storylines of, you know, Jokas and Gusler, Bosco and Ross, and then obviously Sully and Davis. Well, Davis isn't involved. Sully will drag <laughs> him into it. But like this is where, like, I know we're going to get so cop-heavy post-season four. You know, even next season is going to have a lot of cop storylines. But this is where, one, it's like it just does it so well, like the way it kind of intertwines. It's not over the top. It's not cheesy. Like, it's, it feels like a very realistic situation that this could all kind of play into each other's hands. So, like... I think kind yeah. of like just remember this episode when we get into these future episodes where kind of things are just going to go outlandish and like big. Yeah, kind of make kind of makes you wonder. Kind of makes you wonder. Would there have been a, as much of a problem with Third Watch going cop heavy if they had stuck to what they did here instead of trying to yeah. up it every time? Which is which is interesting. Kind of in the Amy Carson interview, which again, spoiler alert here for yourself, Darvell, that you haven't heard this yet, but hopefully for our listeners, they would have heard this. Uh, is the fact that, like, in asking her why did she leave the show, she basically said well, it's because the producers came to her and said, well, we're going to be focusing on the police from now on in season five and six, so you're going to be a very limited role. So Amy Carlson was like, yeah, no, that's not for me. Please write me out of the show. So it's kind of like she's all but confirmed that post-season four, you know, five and six, the writers and producers of this show were like, yep, we're focusing purely on the cops, which is obvious. It's not like that's a secret. I mean, you can tell. But it's just kind of it's interesting to hear that from an actor's perspective. Yep, there was a the, apparently there was a rumor going around that NBC actually wanted them to focus more on the cops, which you can understand. I mean, like just the shift the show takes, particularly like how it, you know everything's blowing up every second episode and shit like that. Like it also does scream of a show that is just trying to get ratings in. And I guess kind of you know two thousand and four, two thousand and five when these seasons are airing. You know, what's the biggest show on TV? You know, CSI. CSI. So, you know, things like this are kind of, they're the focus. Like, ER had been in the top 10 for a long period of time. It's sort of around, you know, 2004, 2005. ER was no longer the flavor of the month. It dropped out of the top 10. Grey's Anatomy, sure, had kind of started around then. But, I mean, Grey's Anatomy, you know, did it differently with medical shows because it kind of, they focus a lot more on the romance rather than the medicine. Whereas, like, kind of ER wasn't about that in the beginning. Like, yeah, I know Carol and Doug had the great storyline, but it was still about the medicine. So I kind of think that, like, it makes sense if NBC are kind of like, well, you know, CBS have CSI. This is the biggest show on TV right now. So, you know, cop shows are kind of back in flavor all of a sudden. So, um, and did NBC really, like, are the Law and Order's NBC shows? Um, yes. So I guess kind of outside of the Law and Order franchise, what did NBC have in 2004, 2005 that was a cop show? I don't think they really had much of anything. Yeah, so, I mean, if they don't really have one outside of Law & Order, then this is kind of their, their vehicle, isn't it? So you can kind of understand that. Um, so, but, I mean, again, we'll talk about that, obviously, a little bit more when it comes to, to you know, five and six. And, you know, four, I, I, w- I wouldn't discount season four from that because it's not like they exactly, you know, I mean, pff, can you tell me a memorable firefighter slash paramedic storyline from season four? 
<laughs> the scene, the infamous scene in The Price of Nobility. Yeah, true. But, uh, you know, outside of kind of people involved in explosions, uh, I mean, I guess you've got Carlos and the whole sexual, you know, assault claim. Storyline, um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I guess you'd argue that. Um, but oh my god! Yeah, this is the thing. This is kind of like we are struggling right now to kind of think of you know storylines around this because it kind of this is where like yeah five and six are so heavily focused on the cops, but you got to argue that four really is too. Um, so yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. We've still got a little bit to go. We're still talking about here about kind of just this setup in terms of the storyline, like, as you said, like kind of how they maybe didn't look back on an episode and kind of they do all this sort of stuff. Uh, how well they balance this episode out. But uh, we get Bosco and Ross, and Ross has moved on to Bon Jovi right now. Won't it, dead or alive? Um, and I just love Bosco, for God's sake, stop, please. Uh, and then they kind of, like, have, like, a, you know, a big argument here, basically, uh, where it kind of turns into about Yokus, and then uh, Ross mentions he's been to uh psychiatrist twice. Just tell them what they want to hear. Work for me. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of, you know... Fun, but um, we get uh, this. I don't get this scene. So they're waiting outside for C Note, who we then see leave the building, get into like this big, you know, SUV drive off, and like you know, Bosco's going to follow him to where he's going to go because he thinks he's after this guy called Henry. How the hell does C Note not see the cop car? They are not inconspicuous at all. They are basically parked right outside their fucking front door. <laughs> and then, like, Cino just walks. Maybe he's in. just too, maybe he's just too distracted on too distracted on getting revenge Possibly. for his brother. Possibly, it's just, I just I just laugh at that bit. Um, he's, he's too busy on the phone to these other members of the Wu Tang Clan, like going, "Dude, we're gonna go kill some <laughs> Russians." Um, but anyway, so we kind of get a bit of seeing Linda's uh talking about uh, that's uh, Linda Beth who? Beth. I don't know who Linda. Linda. Is. Apparently, I've written Linda. Uh, Beth. Yeah, this uh, isn't Blue Bloods. Who the fuck is Linda? <laughs> <laughs> Amy Carson was on the mind. But, uh, yeah, so they've got a warrant. They're going to, uh, obviously go here and, uh, you know, do a raid on, uh, the, the business here of Shevchenko. Uh, I love Gus when he's like, maybe I should get one of those helmets. It's like, relax, this isn't the Taliban. Uh, so. No, it's just the Russian mob. Exactly. Um, and then we kind of see Yokus of the old guy, just basically he's in the precinct, so he's decided to talk. And um, kind of just a nice little scene when he's like, you know, I've made my decision. You know, I know what will happen. You know, and he crosses himself, obviously, as Yokus walks away, so he's a little bit scared. Uh, then we get back to the hospital. Sully, you know, let's go, Davis. Uh, you know, and Dave's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then, you know, Tatiana, where are you going? He's like, who do you think you're talking to? This guy should be afraid of me. Um, can you give us that best, Sally? <laughs> Who do you think you're talking to? This guy should be afraid of me. <laughs> Which, like, this is really, like, we've seen Sully unhinged before, like, with that priest storyline and kind of, like, he can, yeah. you know, get quite angry. But I, I really do like this storyline with Sully because, you know, from this point on, Sully's life will change. Um... You know, I mean, you yeah. argue the day he met Tatiana, his life would change. But, you know, kind of the ongoing storyline with him and Chevchenko and things and ultimately what that would lead to, like, it's it's intriguing. It's just kind of just... I, I love kind of that they give Sully some real meaty stuff to do. And this is kind of where, like, I'm not complaining kind of moving forward here where you're going to switch focus to a lot of cop stuff because, 
I guess if I'm being honest, I enjoy the cop stuff. I mean, you know, I, I love Bosco, Yokos, Davis, Sally, like they're, you know, among my favorite characters. But I just kind of like it when they've got actually decent things to do. And it's kind of like moving forward when we get a lot of things. And like, you know, I'll, I'll be a defender of Cruz. I'm a Cruz fan. I think you're not a Cruz fan from memory. I'm not. In some respects, but I am in others. You're like indifferent. I said to you and Brandy, I'm kind of I'm kind of on the fence with her. Which look, the thing which I will defend Cruz with a lot of is also at the same time when I can also sit out from an outsider's perspective and go, I can understand why people did not like Cruz and the direction the show took. Because, you know, it's often regarded that Cruz is the reason like they claim she's when this show jumped the shark. I don't agree with that, but I think that there are definitely... I won't go that far either. There are definitely elements of Cruz's character which I can see why people would hate her. Um, but I think kind of the difference is sort of like with what we get a lot with the Cruz storylines is that very early on they don't do much to humanise Cruz and they don't really do that until five and six. Whereas in the beginning, in season four, we've kind of just got a one-dimensional cruise, if that makes sense. At least with, like, Sully yeah. and all these other characters right now, we know enough of them to kind of get layers. So, like, yeah, this is just Sully kind of, you know, what does David say next episode about, measure, you know, showing off the size of your Johnson to your wife? It really is. Like, he's just basically like, well, fuck you. I'm not going to let some guy, you know, he has no idea who this guy is. So, of course, he's going to be like, well, fuck it, I'm a cop. I'm not afraid of this. Um, so, you know, of course he's going to be like this, but I kind of, I think like we can understand that on a human level, whereas like there's a yes. lot of, there's a lot of stuff like with Cruz that we can't understand on a human level next season. And that's why I think people hate her so much, uh, until she gets humanized really in five and particularly season six. So, uh, I think kind of Cruz is a, a long burning payoff. Whereas at this point, like it's been enough of a payoff because we know these people, if you know what I mean. Mm hmm. So I think it just works. It works so well. And just I just love this Sully storyline that we get kind of with this. Um, so we get... Uh, is this where it's like, am I calling for backup? No, because this one's mine. That's why. Yeah, that's right. That's, uh, that's Yeah. So then, yeah. We, then we get uh, Bosco and, and Ross kind of, you know, obviously, uh, you know, talking about, you know, why didn't you tell me about C-Note, uh, you know, and that it was his brother. And it's like, oh, because you were singing. It's like, you were crazy. You were one crazy son of a bitch. And then we just kind of get the cut back to Gusler. You know, he's sweating. It's like, oh, you okay now? And it's like, you know, oh, you know, yeah, no, I'm fine. It's like, oh, what's your first name? Oh, Steve. It's going to be okay, Steve. I love, like, Gusler's been like the butt of all jokes for like the last, what, five, six episodes. But kind of, I just love this little yeah. dynamic he has with Yokus. Like, Yokus is so good with him. And like, you, you expect Yokus to kind of be a bit motherly towards him. And just, it's just so good. Uh, and just, you know, you're going to be okay, Steve. It's so nice. Um, then we get Sully pulling up here to the, uh, the restaurant, uh, you know, to the, the gang leaders out the front. Tell, tell your boys the police are here. Uh, and then kind of like Dave's like, oh, what are we doing? He's like, you know, you want to wait in the car? Wait in the car. Like, he's just not thinking at this point. He's thinking with his Johnson, I guess. So he goes into this, like, kind of, he's, you know, I think he's trying, I think he's, He's kind of t- he kind of turns into Bosco in this scene. Oh, for, God, for sure, because this is the sort of thing Bosco would do. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. You're absolutely right. And I kind of I think kind of this is I think the thing with this scene when we turn around and say like this will be final five. There's so many elements to this whole sequence which you would argue this is the beginning of. This is the beginning of. And like 
like I think I kind of talked you you and Brandy down once and saying, oh, that's way too long of a scene that we could include. But I kind of think that this is one that, like, I mean, really from this point on, we've got about, like, eight minutes of this episode to go. So, like, this is kind of like an eight-minute ongoing scene here. So, I mean, there's definitely when we get to the, the top five argument, we will, I guess, have to debate at what point this starts from. You could argue it starts from Sully, like, let's go, Davis, let's go, Davis, to everything in between, to just this bit when he shows up at the, the restaurant because he's like... He's angry. He's ripping out the uh, the music and it's like, "Which one of you is Chevchenko?" Like, I am Chevchenko. Uh, you know, you're under arrest. You're interrupting my friend's wedding. And just, I fucking love like this is what's so like evil and sinister about Chevchenko. He just doesn't give a fuck. It's like you're under arrest. I am having my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes back to and. Um it's kind of similar to what I said about what I like about him. I said he's he's so calm. Yeah, and that's what he's makes so calm and collected. The guy does not lose his temper. Think about um, like some of the great villains, and I guess kind of comes in it when it comes to um, oh, why have I gone blank on his name, Darvell? Um, um, Goose Goose Fring on Breaking Bad. Like, Gus Fring, Gus Fring, whatever you want to call his name is. Like, a lot of the... I never watched Breaking Bad. Whenever you eventually get around to watching it, it's an amazing show, but, like, you will know Gus Fring. Like, he's, like, the big, big bad, essentially, of this show. But, like, what makes him so good, what makes him so sinister and evil is that he is so calm. Like, he's not, like, in-your-face evil. And, like, this is why, like, Roy Scheider does this so well. Because, like, you know, just even the way he's kind of, like, joking around. Like, what is tuned up? Like, what does this mean? Like, would you like a drink? Would you like some food? Like, just the way he's kind of just, like, so calm about it. And, like, the one thing I'll say about, like, um, Wycliffe Gene, which he does shine in his moments where he's kind of a bit calm. Like, he kind of has that real little subtlety about him, doesn't he? About how, like, I'm looking after my community. Like, you know, the way... I can't do a Wycliffe Gene impersonation. But, like, um... Yeah, like... Nor he, can I, really. He has his moments. Maybe by, then, maybe by the time we get to it, I'll be able to, but not right now. Gene Simmons is calm, but he's angry uh, yeah. calm. Like, he does it in a way that's yeah. not sinister. It's like, you are meant to believe this guy. Trouble? Yeah. You've caused me nothing but trouble. It's kind of Gene Simmons' wooden acting. I won't be needing your services anymore, yeah. Mr. Hoss. He's wooden acting, you know, like, uh, yeah. it's up and down. But Roy Scheider just owns this, just the way he's so calm with it. Mm-hmm. And kind of just like the, you know, the, the, the cross between here where we kind of cut out to Yokus and Gusler, like, tell them we're going to move up. Uh, then, you know, it's, it's just the, the quick fire cutting between all this sort of stuff. You know, uh, Sully's obviously talking about you're under arrest. Uh, Bosco's like, you know, talking here to see, you know, like, oh, he's going the wrong way. This isn't going to Henry. Like, they're going somewhere and like, oh, should we call for backup? No, not yet. Uh, so they're all basically going to the same point, but nobody knows they're going. And you there. know something big's going to happen. Because the only people that are officially going to this place are Yokers and Gusler, because they're doing a raid on this place. So we've got, obviously, Bosco and Ross, like, following a guy, not knowing where they're going, and Sully just thinking with his Johnson. Um, <laughs> but then, kind of, we're, we're in the uh, restaurant, I kind of just love the Shevchenko here. Das Vadanya. I was like, what does that mean? It means goodbye. And then everybody starts like, grabbing, means their, goodbye. Starts grabbing their guns and Dave's like, Sully, Sully. Um, and then he kind of grabs him like, you're going to jail, you smug son of a bitch. And then obviously this is kind of when shit goes down because we cut to Bosco. He's pulled up behind Oh, all hell breaks loose. He's like, oh my, oh my God. God. And then... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you could probably do that better. <laughs> This is just epic. Like, look, you, you, I've mentioned this a few times in the weeks you've been away here, Darvell, but you, of course, said last season that we really didn't have a lot of action in season two compared to season one. 
Uh, this is the opposite. I mean, you've got to definitely say Season 3's had the action. We've had car <laughs> oh, yeah. chases and everything. But the, this, I think, um, what is the episode, Mr. Episode Mem- Remember a Man, uh, which I feel like I need to pull this up because it is a good episode. It, no, no, no. It is... Um, what's the, what's the one you're thinking In season of? one where they go on the big shootout and um, uh, uh, Bosco uh, doesn't tell that that guy's hurt still. This Band of Brothers. This Band of Brothers. Thank you. Um, you know, it's kind of we haven't really had a massive shootout like that since that episode, have we? So that's kind no. of... This is like the first we've had in one, and this would probably be the biggest set shooting action piece we've had to third watch to this point, which, <laughs> going forward, get used to this, people, because this will be in every second episode. Um, but, like, I just want to kind of remember this moment, because, like, when we get to the end of season five and we've got, like, the hospital shootout scene, and even... And the- that's, that is that is my favourite shootout of oh, third really? watch. I'm going to say that right now, yeah. Uh, okay, well, you and I are going to have a lot of disagreements on that episode, I feel. Um, uh, that's all right. <laughs> that's what we're here for. We don't for. have to agree on everything. But I, I think this is I think this is the best shootout of all third watch, I, if I'm completely honest. This is just amazingly done. It's, it's, it just feels very realistic and just the tension kind of, it's, it's silent with there's no music being played at all. Uh, just like everybody running. Just non-stop gunfire. Running behind the car. You know, we discovered that 5-5 five, five Charlie's in the building. You know, Yoko's yelling, get us some help, get us some help. Uh, you know, and then obviously uh, Bosco kind of doing his little run around uh, to kind of distract them. Uh, then the music kind of just starts, obviously, when kind of like uh, Bosco does this run. Uh, just, it's so crazy. Uh, Gustler's face and just like, just the look on his face, the way he's like, you know, he's like, oh my God, oh my God. He's just like, again, that's me in that situation. I'm shitting myself. Like he's like, you know, pissing himself as we'll find out next episode. You know, just like panicking. He's just like hiding. Then it just, you know, it's just so tense. Like, this is again, one of these scenes which I'm not doing justice in explaining. You've got to watch this scene. Um, and then obviously we get C-Note kind of going into the building. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Like I uh-huh. love it. He's so good. Yeah. Like, this is just, yeah. it's kind of cheesy, but I love it. I buy it. You know, I see you over there. I, I see you. I see you. I see you. <laughs> just like it's so- I see Oh, it's so good. Then we kind of get Davis kind yeah. of hiding under the table. He's got like a piece of broken glass, which he's using as a mirror, obviously, to kind of see where this guy is. And then he kind of, he gets up. Where C-Note is? Yeah, he kind of, to look where C-Note is. He gets up. Just as he's, uh, um, C-Note's about to shoot uh, Shevchenko, Sully dives on him, just as then Davis shoots C-Note, to which C-Note obviously uh, lets go of his weapon at the same time. And then Davis is going like, Sully, Sully! It's like, you okay? You okay? Then uh, we kind of like cut out to the street. We see a hat on the ground. We see a gun on the ground. We just see like a body on the ground. We see Gusler just like losing his shit. Then we kind of go back, and the music yeah, here is more like just yeah, exactly. Uh, then we kind of uh, back into the the restaurant, and Chevchenko being Chevchenko looks like you'll save my life. Ha, 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 ha. And you know, like obviously, Sully kind of pushes him out there, and then you know, just this- oh, I thought that was Sully who said that to Ty. No, no, he's just, but this is just this last bit where then Davis again goes Sully, and then Davis is kind of like, look, Davis, I said I'm all right. And it's like Sully, no, it's me. I think I'm shot. I think I'm shot, man. He kind of puts his hand up. He's got blood on his hand. The music and just like the acting, like Kobe Bell. Holy shit. Kobe Bell really hasn't had a whole lot to do 
in the last season when it comes to, you know, really since the ties that bind. He hasn't really had a storyline outside of hooking up with Taylor that really gets him involved in some of his acting. But holy fuck, Kobe Bell owns this scene. Just the way he's like, I think I'm shot, man. I'm shot. And he slumps against the wall, falls down, blood on the wall. Sully's obviously looking. And then we cut to like a shot of his hand covered in blood. End of episode. Holy fuck, the way this episode ends, if you didn't think this episode was good enough already. And Nothing to say? Man, oh, man. No. Really? Come on, you got to comment I mean, that, on that that's last bit. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just how... Well, that's just how that's just how stunned I am at how at how intense it was. You know, so, some things you know just leaves you speechless. It's it's legitimately like we talk about it being top five for this season. Uh, this possibly could be top five for all six seasons. Like, you know, I think kind of we established that Bobby's death would no doubt make that top. I mean, again, it might be a top ten that we're doing at the end. We haven't really established whether at the end of six seasons we're doing a top five or a top ten. If we're doing a top ten, this makes the top ten. Uh, if we do a top five, yeah, probably might make the top five as well. This scene is just so goddamn powerful. And just, like, just the, the whole thing of Davis getting shot at the end. And, like, holy crap. Let's be honest. When it comes to, uh, you know, our, our main cast members getting shot, uh, you know, Jerry, well, not really main cast member, but he got shot. He kind of nearly died, but he was okay. Obviously, Car, uh, Doc got shot. He nearly died, but he was okay. Bobby did get shot, died. Jimmy got shot. He was out of action for a while, but he was okay. So it's kind of like, the you know, one from, like, four has died here. So, <laughs> um, poor old Davis. Good way to end in a cliffhanger. Uh, but, yeah, holy shit, Darvell. This episode man. is incredible. Agreed, man. Which, if you've got <laughs> nothing to say, really, uh, I guess we go in. No, nothing, nothing to say, no, nothing to say, really, because, like I said... Yeah, well, we'll go into our Can't evil really review section, which is a clear as day buy for me, and I'm going to assume it's a clear as day mm-hmm. buy for you. If not, you're an idiot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely a clear as day buy. Uh, so, yep, and well. I will say, just on the grand scheme of the rankings, uh, again, as I said, I've ranked f- uh, 49, 59 episodes, including the one that we'll do after this one. So I've actually put this at number six. Uh, overall, out of 59 episodes. So I've put this uh, just ahead of A Rock and a Hard Place, which I talked up as maybe one of my top five favourite episodes. Uh, but I've actually put this, which just surprised me. I put this below Run of the Mill, which, uh, you know, we talked about how great that episode was last season. But um, so this, to me, right now, is the sixth best episode of Third Watch. Uh, and I will say I do have another season three episode above this, though, in number four, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which I think is slightly a little bit better, but... Uh, that's just, I guess, my opinion. But I, I think this could possibly stay in the top ten at the end of this seat, at the end of uh, the rankings. So, um, well, we'll see. There you go. But uh, that obviously leads us into superheroes part two, which we will do as a separate episode. But as we kind of mentioned, it will be released today. So if you've downloaded this episode uh, and you want to get straight into it, this is one of those rare occasions where we will release more than one episode in one day. So superheroes part two already available to listen to. So listen to that right now. But do you have anything to add on uh, superheroes part two? I guess we get a slight bit of resolution here. We learn a little bit more about what happened to Davis, get a bit of resolution with Davis and Taylor um, and Bosco and Yoko. I don't know if you could really call it a resolution. Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, anything to add, kind of, bef- you know, on that before we wrap it up? No, no. 
I'll, I'll save it for when we get into it. Uh, we will, we will. So, uh, like us on Facebook, subscribe on all the channels, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, we're on, uh, of course, I was about to say we're on Tinder. Um, oh, we could put the show on Tinder, swipe right if you want to listen. Uh, we are on Instagram, <laughs> YouTube, everything else, and uh, we always appreciate your support in tuning into the show and uh, joining along this journey with us. Uh, my name is Ben, and I think I'm going to need one of those helmets. My name's Darvell, and need I remind you, this isn't the Taliban. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.